You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Hatch. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, and personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we may not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. How comfortable are you sharing your uh, Carl's Jr. story? Or was it a Wendy's? Who are you talking to? You, dog. Me? Oh, I thought you were talking to Sean. Yeah, I was like, I What are you talking about Carl's Jr. or Wendy's? In St. George. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you want to hear the the? Tell her. Okay, first Wait, of all, what was the restaurant first? Yeah, which one was it? It was Wendy's. Okay, uh, yeah, I was, I was like, gonna say that's a, that's a that's a broke that boys restaurant. Is <laughs> Wendy's. <laughs> so if there's anyone out there who's like a starving artist, <laughs> or anyone who's like thinking about should I take a chance on my dream, this story's for you. <laughs> I hear you. I feel you. <laughs> if you don't want to share, you don't have to. <laughs> no, nah, I'll share. Uh, a few years ago, I wanted to move to Los Angeles because Los Angeles is just the best place for creators, at least in the entertainment industry. And I wanted to be around that. Had some friends there. It was great. So... I had a pretty labor-intensive job there, uh, and it started as soon as I got to Los Angeles. And while I was and it, there... It wasn't a job like in the creative field you wanted to be in. It was just like simply to so that you could eat and yeah. sustain your life. No, yeah, it was really just to make money and uh, do what I wanted to do on my off time. And while I was there... Um, went and played soccer with some friends and there was legit like a a dip in the I don't know a hole in the ground and I sprained my ankle <laughs> and I couldn't work at my job anymore so here I am in Los Angeles with a couple hundred bucks in my bank account left <laughs> and I get let go from my job. <laughs> You're following so your I, dream of <laughs> breaking into the music industry. <laughs> and I cannot survive there financially. So what do I do? <laughs> Decide to pack everything back up and move right back to Utah from where I came. <laughs> and on the way home, <laughs> I stopped in a town called St. George in southern Utah famous for their red rock arches national parks being close to hurricane and laverkin and because i need to save money i wasn't trying to spend a lot so i stopped at wendy's and it was raining and i 
hopped myself out of the car with my crutches. <laughs> it's like pouring rain. You have to like get out of your car and hop around and grab your crutches. <laughs> really yeah. Desert too. Yeah. What the hell is the rain there for? <laughs> it like never rains in St. George, but it was raining for me. <laughs> And it's pouring rain, and I get on my crutches, and I get inside, and I get my four for four, junior junior bacon cheeseburger, and uh, the person didn't even help me with my tray, <laughs> so I had like a fanny pack, like around my shoulder, and I just like put everything in the fanny pack and like crutched my way over to. <laughs> One, one of the tables, wet and poor and shattered, dreams. shattered dreams and ankle, and ankle. And I told the one person that I was coming back to Utah, and it was I think Jordan. And I was like, "Yo, dude." Can I just crash on your guys' couch for a little bit till like, I get back on my feet? <laughs> like, my foot? Like, <laughs> quite literally <laughs> and, like, financially in life. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, dude, for sure. Come and stay in. Got to the house and everyone thinks I'm in L.A. And everyone's literally, everyone was so excited for me. Because <laughs> they're like, you're going to go like you're gonna make it, it was a big send-off it was like a big thing we had like a going away thing and we're like dude big up on you for following your dreams like being so brave dog like you got this you're gonna make it bro and then so dj's sitting there and like so everyone's out that day that i get that i get back to their house and i think everyone gets home at once in one car i don't know where they were and i'm there and everyone's just like, what the, what are you doing here? <laughs> I remember being mad excited. I was like, what? I'm like, hi, dude. <laughs> you were excited that I was back. I didn't get it. I just thought you were visiting. <laughs> I feel like I also thought you were visiting. Oh, I, I was. I have been visiting. <laughs> the past four years have been a long visit. Welcome. This is the 3 a.m. podcast. He's Sean. And he's Charles, and that over there is DJ. <laughs> that that thing, yeah. Um, this is where we get together, tell each other scary stories. So, if you want scary stories, you're in the right place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that story. So, if you're out there and you're afraid to follow your dreams, don't be afraid. It can't be as bad as DJ's experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sad boy times, honestly. That was the best. I didn't you say you were just sitting there like soaking wet, eating your Wendy's and like just sad. half laugh, had laughing, laughing, but like laughing, yeah. how sad life. I is. wasn't. Yeah, I was. I was like, I was sad, but that's how I cope. <laughs> just laugh at myself. <laughs> there you go. Just sitting in the Wendy's. He's so every time like we <laughs> becoming the Joker. <laughs> so every time we like drive south. We go through St. George and we see that Wendy's because Wendy's is on Main Street. You you can't not pass it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to relive that. Yeah. I see me hobbling over, putting the food in my fanny pack. <laughs> anyway, so if you ever hear us make ankle jo- jokes at DJ, that's why. Ugh, I've sprained and rolled my ankle so many times and broken it twice. Ugh. So it's fun. FearCon was fun. We met some listeners of the podcast and we got to hang out with them. It was pretty cool. 
That was probably my favorite part. Oh yeah. <laughs> Though we did end up playing that that wolf oh. that werewolf game that we bought at Furcon for like four hours after that. Legit, I want to play more. Yeah. Same. Oh yeah. <laughs> same. Got to get more people though. Yeah. So at, at Furcon, it there was a ton of booths, and we walked by one, and they were doing board games, and Sean bought this werewolf game, which is essentially essentially mafia. Yeah, but it's like adapted to werewolves, and it's this whole deck of cards that has all these different characters, and different roles, and everybody draws a card, and nobody knows who the werewolf is. The object of the game is for the werewolf to kill everybody in the village. Mm-hmm. And the villagers are trying to find out who the werewolf is. Mm-hmm. And Sean bought it as kind of a joke, and we ended up playing for, like you said, like four hour straight and with like five people five <laughs> yeah, or six people it would be like one round each time yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like if we didn't guess who the werewolf was on the first round then they automatically because <laughs> we didn't have that many people but it was so much fun honestly bro that was way fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> highly recommend all right oh. let's do question time what would you do to defend yourself if someone broke into your house? And I'm going to use your house right now or your house that you grew up in. Okay. Give me a little more context. Are you in your room? What's happening? Upstairs, downstairs? You yeah, know what I'm saying? you're in your room. It's in the middle of the night. I would grab a weapon. I'm kind of a paranoid person, so I always keep a bat at the very least in my room in the past i've had brass knuckles trench spikes um bats on chains <laughs> i've had uh riot batons from thailand tasers uh, knives all you're the cool kid growing up huh <laughs> this is this never actually happened to me and it's not real and it's allegedly but when i was 16 for my birthday, my sister got me a trench spike. What that is is brass knuckles with a huge fixed blade that comes out the end. And she got it from her cop friend out of the evidence room. And she gave it to me in the middle of a restaurant <laughs> where I was having my 16-year-old oh birthday dinner. And when I took it home that night and I was cleaning it with like brass, so this is what it's called to like make it shine, uh, a ton of blood came out the middle of it. (laughs) 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 And she was like, do not carry this thing around, which I never did because it's an automatic felony in California. So is spray painting. And so if I got caught, with those, that's two so felonies. Maybe. If I get three, that's life in jail in California because of the three-strike rule. So anyway, there you go. Well, damn. Wild. Side story, allegedly. When I was coming home from the Philippines, I went to uh, one of my friends who was from there. And I was like, yo, take me to the spot where they sell all the cool stuff. And he looked at me. He's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I got you. So we go down to the Changi. Um, which is the the market, the mercado, mm. and he knows what he's doing. He walks directly to this specific shop, and the man sees him. And as soon as a man sees the the owner of this little shop, 
and there's hundreds you know it's like a just think of like southeast asia you know yep. a market in town it's busy it's bustling it smells like fish and raw meat and there's lots of weird different stuff all around and uh the man sees him and he sees me and he smiles <laughs> he's like he tells us to come payday <laughs> he tells us to come and we walk up to him he turns around and he grabs the curtain behind him and pulls it he says come into the back Ooh. <laughs> oh and we walk to the back and there's just a wall and i bought everything <laughs> one of everything i bought a cockspur which is for fighting chickens nice this is also all alleged, <laughs> by the way. Everything that I'm saying right here. It's a right book here. you read or something? Yeah. yeah. Uh, a cockspur, like the Philippines is huge into cockfighting. Um, and it's, yeah, the blade that the chickens have on their leg, on their talon, and it slices clean through the other chicken's head. Holy. It's crazy. And I got my name engraved on it. <laughs> <laughs> got a cockspur. I got a switchblade. Oh. I got a butterfly knife. Oh, I've had one of those from Spain. And brass knuckles. Apparently. Nice. Nice. And I was real stoked about it. <laughs> That's what I would use to defend myself. I would put the cockspur on my, my ankle. <gasps> I'd scotch tape it. <gasps> real quick. <laughs> slap yeah. it on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, tape all the other weapons to my fingers. What I'd do is I'd stand at the top of my stairs and just rack my shotgun. <laughs> and if he proceeded, then I would put a bullet. No, I'm just kidding. I would... uh greet this person with a nice firm handshake and lead him upstairs open the room on the left take him to the back and say my mother's a lularoe retailer <laughs> would you like to purchase any leggings <laughs> we have very nice black you'll never be spotted <laughs> i'll be like hey hun it's been years since we've talked <laughs> <laughs> and his sheer fear of uh, multi-level marketing will make him tremble. Damn. That is the scariest defense mechanism I've heard of. Dude, what I'd do is I'd throw down some uh, Christmas ornaments and RC cars. <laughs> Maybe some tar and a, and a nail. <laughs> Heat all the doorknobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some bricks from the top floor. Yeah. There you go. I don't know. It's hard. It, it's all situational. Like if I'm near the kitchen, I'm grabbing a butcher knife. I'm going to stab. I'm going to protect me and mine to the death. Uh, if I'm at home, there might be some firearms around. But it's kind of tricky because you hear those stories about like that person who was trying to rob that old lady. He fell through the roof like a skylight over the kitchen he fell and cut his leg on a knife in her kitchen and sued her sued her and won yeah so there's been a, a bunch of stories him. like that yeah. you you can't like booby trap your home that's like illegal i don't know if it is in every state or if it's like interesting yeah yeah you just got to kill them so they can't sue you <sighs> Damn. and then then you have to m make sure it's self defense i don't know it's kind of crazy i'm not, i don't know someone's breaking into your house Self-defense. If I give them like eight, or if I give them warnings yeah, and they keep proceeding with like malintent, then I would have to. How are they going to be able to testify that you didn't life. give them warnings I, if but you this is on, them? Dude, this is on my conscience. I don't care. <laughs> Bro, they broke into your house. They deserve it. This is how normal people think, Sean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back to your question on how you defend yourself. I don't know.
I'd scream in terror, I don't know, and and fight to the death with anything available to me. I'd kill them. <laughs> They're bare hands. Do you guys feel good on the question? Yes, sir. All right. Let's go ahead and roll. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up. by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 3am. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So, order tonight is Sean, Charlie, DJ. So, I heard a story earlier this week about a couple friends that went camping. And this was from some of my friends back east. So, this was like out in the Smoky Mountains area and stuff like that. Now, it was supposed to be a large group of friends. And slowly, before they are about to go out camping, friends just start backing out. So it was went from, I think, six or seven people to just two. So two of the these guys decided to go out camping somewhere in the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, And it's close to kind of a smaller town, but outside it, like an hour outside of this small town, just out in these mountains. They get to their spot and they start hiking in to this forest a little bit and get to a place where they're like, hey, yeah, this would be a cool spot to set up and make a fire and camp here. So they stop, they set up their tents, start the fire and kind of the funny thing about starting fires out in the woods is you're totally visible to everybody at that point right Mm -hmm. so they start cooking some dinner and as they're doing this a couple other guys come up this trail and they're like hey how's it going and they just kind of spark up a conversation with them 
and just small talk, but one of these friends kind of decides that he has a really weird feeling about him. And after they leave, he tells the other friend, he's like, yeah, I also had a really weird feeling about these guys. So what they did is they put out the fire, packed up their tent, and they hiked up a little bit further up to this ridge that was kind of up near the top of the mountain that they were by. And if you hiked probably like 50 feet away from their new campsite, they could look down and they were able to see their old campsite. So they set up their tents, go to sleep, and like late, late at night, one of the friends wakes up for no reason in particular, and he kind of gets up, gets out of the tent, goes pee, and then realizes he kind of sees like these flashing of lights. So he hikes the 50 feet or whatever away from the new campsite. Like a like a flashlight? Yeah. Oh, okay. So just like, you know how you have like that mm-hmm. yeah, flashlight, yeah. the, the flickering? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, He hikes these the 50 feet away from the campsite and looks down at the other campsite and sees three or four people just with flashlights flickering around their old campsite. He goes back, gets his friend, wakes him up. They both go and look, and they can tell just with the flickers of light, though, that these men were, like, holding baseball bats. They had, like, their flashlights and baseball bats, and they're just, like, rummaging around where their old campsite had just been. So after, like paying attention to this for a minute or two, they decide they're just going to take watch. And one would watch and make sure while the other one slept and just rotate back and forth that night. So they did that. And honestly, they probably thought, or like the guys who showed up, they figured that they were just drunk. But either way, they were now at their camp with just baseball bats and these flashlights. And at eventually, two or three in the morning, they all left. And after they, like that morning afterwards, they packed up their tents and left. They figured it was just locals, but you never know out in the woods. Fortunately, they both survived, but that's hella scary. Brother, instantly I think of Darby, Montana, dog, (laughs) (laughs) where we went. Good hell. When we walked into that bar and every single head turned and looked at us and the needle scratched and the music stopped, I was like, deliverance. (laughs) We need to get out of here. (laughs) For real. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought of too, actually, Um, being in Montana. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's like the only thing you can do. Take turns watching. True. I, I don't think I would sleep though. From, like, the description they told me, it sounded like they were far, far enough away to where Mm. they wouldn't have realized that they left and they went up this mountain, but they could see them down in the kind of the valley there, like, with their flashlights and baseball bats, apparently. Huh. If that's the case, then, yeah, I think I'd be okay with taking shifts. Yeah, I probably still wouldn't be able to sleep though if we're being yeah, honest. If we're being honest, I I would lay there hella anxious. Like if we're even if we we're taking shifts, I'd go back to my tent and be like you hear a snap of a toy. What was that? What yeah. was that? <laughs> I love stories like that and hate them cuz like I love camping. Yeah, I know. Ugh. I think 
like camping, you're just so vulnerable. Like that's the biggest, the biggest red flag or like issue that I have is when you're out in a place that you're unfamiliar with and something happens, you're vulnerable. Usually reception's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're unprepared for anything like that, like you're screwed. Yeah. (laughs) Freak. The thing is, more often than not, you're okay because you're usually by yourself (laughs) or far away from things like that. It's just in the case that somebody is trying to, you know, target people in the wilderness, then you're singled out. Because the odds of terrible things happening are greater in places of population, I feel like, so... Yeah, makes sense. I think, too, for me, that the thing that scares me more, like we talk about like cryptids and like spirits and stuff like that, what scares me is real people out in the woods. Like in the in this scenario, if there were four or five people, I probably would have tried fighting them and I probably would have gotten beaten up or worse. Oof. But that's more like scary to me because it's something that I feel like can actually physically harm me. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm already mentally harmed enough, so like I ain't got worried about that. <laughs> you know that that's real. Yes. That makes sense. It's just something very present and real to me. Huh. So on that note, though, I mentioned a couple times now to I think both of you is that there's a uh, developing story <sighs> – you son of a gun, I swear. <laughs> I'm going to... Is it still developing? I mean, it is still developing. Oh, okay. But I'm going to tell you what I know so far. Okay. So, let me tell you. I have a friend at work, and beginning October 1st, this year, things started happening at their house. So, she is... I think renting a room with a roommate in this three bedroom apartment. She's been living there for two years now, as far as I know. So she mentioned on October 1st, she was coming out of her room, going to the kitchen area one early morning because she comes to work early. But they have like this long, dark hallway that has the bedrooms lined up. And it gets to a living room and kitchen area and then exit, I think, kind of in that order. So she's coming out down this hallway, and she said that as she gets to, like, an area in the hallway where she can see into her living room, she sees a shadow sitting on her couch. And first of all, she's just like, it's probably the sun playing, like, tricks as it's coming in my window. And she gets a little bit closer, and it's something visibly sitting there on her couch. <laughs> now, she also, I believe, is a skeptical person in this in this area. So what she told me was she uh, tried to recreate what she saw after it disappeared and couldn't recreate it exactly how she saw it. What do you mean she tried to recreate it? She like tried to like put pillows up and like like so that it would seem like someone was sitting there. I think she even asked her roommate to sit there or whatever. But 
tried to recreate what she saw and couldn't because you could almost see through that that shadow, but it was something that was sitting there on the couch. Huh. It's been two years that they're living there, and she says the first time that this happened was October 1st. And she swears by this. She swears by it. Because, it, okay, like, it's it's hard for me to just believe right off the bat because that's weird. Just it is weird. Just walking into the room and then seeing it sitting on the couch. And she described it as looking like a man or like... I have more to the story. Okay, I'll be quiet. <laughs> All of your questions shall be answered. <laughs> okay, so this whatever it is, and she she thinks it's confused. She doesn't think that it's a a, a violent spirit by Malicious. any means. Yeah, she thinks that it's confused because in another instance, it didn't show up as a spirit. It showed up as like an like a glowing orb. So the way she described it is she was in her room and this orb kind of popped up in the middle of her room and went through her kind of desk. There's this mirror on the desk. It went through the mirror and into the wall. Now she's just like, okay, this is weird. But then she asked her roommate about it and her roommate said, yeah, something came through my side of the like it came through the wall and into my room and it was like this orb or whatever. So the roommate's also seeing whatever this is. All she had to say for it was that was weird. <laughs> I mean this freaking the F out. <laughs> Especially because I went hard on orbs the other day. So like if they start haunting me, I'm gonna be uh I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not dust. <laughs> So, but also the both of them are seeing whatever this entity is. And that's why she says she thought it was confused just because it was manifesting in different ways. Now, another day or two later, she uh, said she woke up and heard like a sound or whatever. So she goes out of her room and starts going down the hallway. And there's three rooms, but there's only two roommates right now. So one of the rooms is vacant. And she walks past this room and sees, as she's walking past, something inside the room go the other way. Ew. And then she went and looked, flipped on the light, and there was nothing there. Here's the thing. Once you start seeing things, once you start hearing things, I feel like it's always a landslide. Like you just hear, you start seeing and hearing more and more. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I've been in that position with like the house I've grown up with. It started with one thing, thought it was weird, then another thing happened, and then all of a sudden it's like... Every, you know, it's just happening so much. Yeah. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Keep going. Okay, so when she's telling me this story as the infinite skeptic that I am, my first thought is how come now? You've been living there for two years. Yeah. She said that she just recently started practicing little Wicca. What? (laughs) Just recently. What does that remind me? Wicca? Yeah. Yeah. That, is that the same as like Wiccans? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. But yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go go over it again. You go over it and then I'll share if I know anything so else. In, to my understanding, what she's practicing is more just the like the spirits and stuff. The spiritualism. The side. spiritualism of Wicca or Wiccans. Or, Are these the same people who do like seances? I don't think it's like only Wiccans the do people? seances. Yeah. But they but do. But they do. Yeah. My as as understanding know. of Wicca is it's like a very like earthly believing in like, you know, 
earthly things, so like seasons, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like a very nice version of witchcraft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're just, I'm speaking straight out of my butthole right now. So I honestly <laughs> don't know a whole lot about the specifics. I just know that it is a uh, spiritual like religion or something along those lines. Wicca? How do you spell that? W-I-C-C-A. C-C-A? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I do know, remember Caroline who was on our podcast? Yeah, yeah. I know mm-hmm. that she knows Wiccans. Yeah. So maybe we'll reach out to her. And see, I'm, I'm actually, never mind. I was going to text but her, but with that being said, it was just recently that she started like looking into that at all. And funny enough, the desk and mirror that this orb passed through going into her roommate's room was the desk where she had all of her stuff set up on. Got you. So it was like almost going through a portal. Almost like I, have no idea how that works, but that's what it seems like based on the story. Now, I talked to her on the 9th, and she said that night she woke up, and she said it was 2.30 a.m., and she saw a shadow standing at the end of her bed. Now, I start asking all kinds of questions when this happened. She said that it seemed like the shadow of a man that had like really broad shoulders and she described it as appearing to be wearing a trench coat or something like that. I was like, uh, you got a real problem now. Yeah. (laughs) Is she concerned now? I mean, I don't know what level she's concerned, but she's like, yeah, we're definitely staging the house on Friday. And I have yet to follow up with her on that. Ooh, but it is still a developing story to my knowledge and they're planning on saging the house. Sure. Or they should have already saged the house. How close are you to her? Like, associates at work, friends, you know. She'd be like, yo, can I come spend the night in your haunted-ass house? <laughs> like, record scratch real quick. One sales coach got fired for uh, hitting up. She's our admin. So, like hitting up our admin before, and they both got fired. So I'm like trying to stay away from it. Oh gosh, <laughs> that Dude. is the story to the point that I know. Here's some thoughts from me, real quick. Right. She should be more concerned. <laughs> a, I agree. I'm not feeling any sort of urgency from her None at all, whatsoever. and it's concerning. Okay, if I saw a shadow, like on my couch, my first thought as well would be like, it's a trick of the light. I'm going to try and recreate it. That wouldn't concern me. I'm with you there. Enter orb. (laughs) That would be a little concerning to me because it could also be a trick of light. But enter orb that not only I see, but roommate saw. That's more concerning. A little more concerning. Enter shadow and room walking the opposite direction of you and then nothing being there. That's when changes need to be made. Well, true, but that also could be like... I feel you. Something standing at the edge of my bed. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Uh Uh-huh. And saging that apartment. Yeah, I'd be eating Palo Santo. For real. (laughs) And burning buckets of sage. Chunk by the side of my bed, and if I see the (laughs) shadow, I'll just throw it at it. Yo, you should tell her to listen to our episode with... uh, 
Caroline. Yeah. Tell her to put a bowl of salt under her bed. <laughs> or tell her to prick her finger and put it in, in a cup Ooh, near. Yeah, dude. And if it's empty Maybe in the morning, a, she needs to go genie. to Morocco. Never had a friend like the. <laughs> it's a gin. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I'm going to ask, ask about it tomorrow and see. But, Bruh. like, it's nuts, dude. Like, I don't know, dude. There are a couple different points in in that story. I would have been like, "Hold up." What if she just doesn't show up to work tomorrow <gasps> and you never see her again? Would be devastating from a story standpoint. <laughs> she wants like my numbers at work would be affected. <laughs> no, that would be that would be uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Concerning. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, uh, I never followed up. What happened? Gosh. So I'll let you know as I know, but dope. That's an ongoing story right Freak. now, happening probably as we speak. It's dark. That's hella weird. I think it's like the only story we have that is ongoing. Because generally, genuinely, generally, a lot of our stories are from like a while ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and everything's already happened. Yeah, it's that's weird. Dark. Yeah. I feel uneasy. <laughs> Real quick, this is a quick story, but uh, because of your question, so one of my cousin's friends growing up, he was in like seventh grade, and he came home early from school. Uh, he had like a short period or something, so he came home hella early. He was the only one home. He gets inside, lays down in his couch, and he just goes to sleep. And after a while, he's woken up. He opens his eyes. He's lying on the couch and he hears upstairs some sort of like thud. So he's sitting there and he hears another harder, louder thud. So he like stands up and he can hear light footsteps in the room above him. And so he walks out, walks into like the main area of his house where he can look up the stairs, turns the corner, he looks up and he just sees his sister's room and the door's wide open. Mm-hmm. And standing in the middle of the room is a man he doesn't recognize. And he said he's instantly paralyzed with fear. And as he is realizing that there's someone in his house. This person is just looking through his sister's stuff and then turns around and stares right at him. And the guy just stares at him, slowly turns around and just shuts the door. (laughs) And so he said he ran into the kitchen, called 911, told him there's an intruder at their house and ran outside. (laughs) and so he like the police come and they look and there is a freaking like rain gutter pipe that goes up the side of his house this guy had climbed it and punched through his sister's open window um screen Mm -hmm. and just climbed in well damn and did he see him climb out no he said the guy just closed the door he said he didn't move quickly at all like he wasn't alarmed. He saw him downstairs, saw him, see him, turn slowly, grab the door, and just shut the door slowly. Mm. Uh, they searched the house. He wasn't there. He had taken off. But uh, 
Bro, it's next time that happens, I'm throwing up one of these before he closes the door. So Sean flips him off slowly as he slowly closes the door. But dude, like <laughs> as a seven-year-old, he said, like it's not like a terribly scary story because nothing happened, but um, that's it, still terrifying. It messed him up for a really long time. He had he couldn't be home alone. He and it ultimately they ended up moving because of it. He Whoa. was like so scared to be alone or in the house. Bro, I don't know what I would do if I could no longer be home alone. <laughs> You'd be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway, that's just a quickie. Just uh, a quickie? Just a, last week I said that I had found a submission by mm. someone, mm-hmm. and it said, being from the Navajo Nation... I have seen a lot of crazy shit. Tell me. <laughs> so disclaimer, I am not Navajo. I don't know the culture extensively. So if I get anything wrong, sorry, but I'm just out here trying to tell some stories. You know what I'm saying? Skirt, skirt. So this person said, um, having grown up on the Navajo nation or in the Navajo nation, they have a ton of different stories. So they've collected some from their friends, from uncles, aunts, things like that first one is actually something that happened to this person who submitted Uh and when she was younger her sister had a baby and her sister's husband was called away to work for a couple weeks so he'd be gone so her sister asked her if she would stay with her and help her with the baby and kind of like help her with some of the chores because it's a newborn right Mm -hmm. so she agrees she's a teenager at this time Um, She goes to her sister's house, which is a trailer way out in the middle of nowhere. There's no neighbors for five miles. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And for the first week, nothing happens. Business as usual. But in the middle of the second week, every night as they're going to bed, they start hearing tapping on the side of the trailer. And so for the first two nights, they're kind of weirded out by it, but it's just light tapping they, they think possibly an animal. I don't know. But the third night, the tapping turns to scratching and then aggressive scratching. And by this point, they're pretty freaked out. And uh, it, it starts scratching on one side of the trailer and then they can hear like a scuffle and scurry and then it's scratching harder on the other side and it keeps switching back and forth. And so finally kind of fed up, she says she just musters all the courage she can and she's going to go outside and confront whatever this is. So she throws the trailer door open and jumps out. And as she does that, she sees a shadow whip around the side of the trailer. Like what kind of shadow? Like someone moving really fast. Oh. So she starts. So not really a shadow, like more of a figure. More of a figure. It's dark. She can't see it, but she knows it's... Yeah, it's nighttime. It's way dark. And she sees a figure like run around the side, the left side of the trailer. So she takes off sprinting after it. And she yells like, you better get out of here. And as she comes around the corner, the shadow that was just there is now way across the, the, the whole yard. And it's moving through the clotheslines. What? And she said it moved from where it was to the clothesline impossibly fast. And so that's like her first. She like stops and looks at it. 
it runs through the clothes and she sees it like sprint through the clothes and like push like a sheet a sheet away or something and there's a utility pole that's way past the clothesline it runs to the utility pole and scurries up super fast hell no and in one of its hands it's holding something so it's doing this one-handed and gets to the top so she can see this figure at the top of the pole and she said the whole yard is filled with a laugh the figure starts to laugh so it's just like almost cackling at her and by this time she's freaked out and then as it's laughing it jumps down off the pole and sprints at the trailer so comes back well she yeah yeah but near the other side of the trailer like it's going for the front door now because she's now like behind the trailer so it sprints out and it's running towards the front door so she runs as fast as she can turns the corner expecting to see someone either looking in the window or trying to get in the front door. Uh And as she comes around the corner, nothing's there. So she looks under the trailer, looks around the back, looks around the front, nothing. Goes inside, tells her sister everything that's happened. Next morning, she goes outside and she said she can see footprints all around the trailer and footprints leading up to the utility pole and they're barefoot human footprints with one exception mm-hmm. they have really long like uh claws coming out the tips oh. where the toe should be mm. and when it dropped down and it jumped down from the utility pole she saw it drop the thing it was holding in her hand So she went to the utility pole and her niece's little shirt is lying like crumpled in a, in a little ball. So it was holding the baby's shirt as it was laughing. That day, her and her sister left the res and went to their, her, their mom's house who had moved away from the res a couple years ago. And they like, didn't come back until the husband was ready to come back. Right. That's the right move. <laughs> I love I good. that. <laughs> yeah. The part that made like my heart sink was like synonymous with hers when you know this thing's tapping <laughs> and there's multiple ways to react to that depending on who you are for her. It bothered her to the point where she wanted to take care of it. So she stepped out and she's ready to handle this. The thing runs around the side of the trailer, and then she follows it, and her heart drops as she sees this thing, like, impossibly far. Like, there's no way any human could have gotten, like, crossed this distance Mm -hmm. in that amount of time. And... From there, she saw it climb up the pole, and she was like, I want to get away from this now. But, like, how her emotions changed, and that had to have been, what, 15, 20 seconds? Like a split second, yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, like, why he started laughing. Mm. He's he's like, now you see my power. That's a good, Um, yeah, that's a good point there. 
Also, side note, in my extensive research of uh, footprints, mm-hmm. something that I notice is that, like, regardless of how, like, the tips of your toes are, or in case of, like, a four-legged animal, the way that you step and then, like, bring your feet up, it like, kind of makes it look like it comes to a point, just the way that your feet come up. Hmm. So maybe the way that it was is just, like, actual regular footprints, but they kind of had this pointed look to them just because of the way they were running. She said it looked like each toe had a claw. Yeah, no. That like dug in deeper. That's sketch. Yeah. That's just her one experience. She said that's her scary, her personal scariest experience. How irritating though to have that tapping. (laughs) Bruh. I'd run out there too. I mean, I'm trying to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, that would be that would yeah. Yeah, that would be oh, yeah. But I think it, it's in line with what Leah told us. It's like a lot of their goal is to just scare. Yep. Um, dude, I heard tapping on my window a few nights ago, and then you took out your earplugs, and it was me snoring <laughs> <laughs> three oh. floors down. <laughs> no, I uh, woke up and heard the tapping, and realized my window was open, and that the cords to the blinds were like going. Phew. Mm. But for a brief second, I was like, I'm on the third floor. What the fuck is going <laughs> that, on? Right that, now? that is kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> what if you just saw like a man standing outside just tapping? He'd be, Ugh. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have punched right through that screen. <laughs> wow. Next story. Keep on coming from dogs. her tales. Please. So this one happened to her friend when she was a lot younger. So I think back in like 2000. Um, her family was having a family reunion and they decided to go up into the mountains. So they went way out into the Chuska Mountains. Which, Sean, where are those? Those are in Colorado, southern Colorado, next to New Mexico. Okay. And, and it's on Navajo Nation, right? Uh, I think so, yeah, yeah. Okay. The res down there. So they go out to this. Um, she describes this cabin or they go out to this cabin in the Chuska Mountains for a family reunion, and she describes it. It's like almost in a clearing or meadow, and it's surrounded by trees. So there's this cabin, and then in near the tree line, there is a stone well. And they do typical family reunion things. They're like playing um, football. They're playing tag. They do like three-legged races and just all the fun things. They have a barbecue, and they eat or picnic. And it's getting dark, so they decide to turn in for the night. So the adults are sleeping in the two bedrooms, and all the kids are sleeping in the living room. So anywhere you can find on the ground or couch, they just like, good luck, you know? Mm -hmm. Nice. And she's lying there, and she hears all her cousins fall asleep. And she can't sleep. And she's restless, so she's tossing and turning just kind of annoyed you know freak i can't go to sleep she says inexplicably for no reason her anxiety and her like restlessness turns to fear and she almost like she can feel something in the air and she's lying in the middle of the room of all her cousins and she sits up and she looks over it's a full moon outside so it's like a little bit light coming through the windows she sees a huge shadow come across the window and her dad was telling her just that day that they need to be careful 
to not leave any food out because there's a there's bears up here. And she's like, there is a bear on the porch. And she hears it slowly walking on the porch as it's like creaking the wood. And the shadow goes around to the front of the house where she can see the front door. And she sees that her family didn't lock the front door. But she's like, okay, you know, what are the odds that the bear is going to turn this knob, right? She's watching the door and it lightly shakes like this, like someone's pushing on it. And the knob starts to turn. And at this point, she's paralyzed with fear. Knob turns. There's a click of the lock and the door opens. Holy. And she can see the outline of this bear. And the second the door opened, the whole cabin is filled with this putrid smell. And she yells, Dad! Dad runs in, sees the bear, or like the bear, the looming bear at the door, and yells, Hank, grab the gun. That's her uncle. And as he does that, bear takes off. Hank grabs the rifle. They run out onto the porch and they can see the bear behind the well. And so Hank takes aim at it. And they hear it, ching, ricochet off the well. And as that, that happens, they're all watching it. The bear stands up on two legs. And it's now an outline of a huge hairy man. And it runs away into the forest. <laughs> and they never see it again. It runs away on two legs? Yep. Because oh, bears can stand up. No, no, no. This but. thing stood up <laughs> and, <laughs> and sprinted ran. away like a man, <laughs> like a huge man. Oh, well. And so the title of that was My Cousin Saw Bigfoot. <laughs> Dude, that could be Bigfoot. I was going to say, show me a bear with opposable thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so so the, handy. I left doors. out one part when it opens the door. She says she sees a human hand like reach in the door, and that's when she yelled, "Dad!" Hmm. Hmm. But she still wasn't sure, and they all thought it was a bear until they shot at it and it stood up, and all of them knew that it was not a bear. Well, that's a little terrifying. Way to meet Bigfoot. I'd prefer it to be under, you know, more friendly circumstances. <laughs> I'd like to have uh, some coffee with him first. Yeah. Maybe some, some beef jerky. Some berries. Yeah, or <laughs> beef jerky. Yeah. <sighs> okay. The last one. Have you guys ever heard of Kachina dolls? Kachina? Kachina. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure C-A-C-H-I-N-A? I'm saying it wrong. I-N-A? K-A-C-H-I-N-A. It sounds familiar. Okay. So according to this post and my limited knowledge, Kachina dolls were originally made by the Pueblo Indians. And they were made by specific like medicine men. Mm -hmm. And they were used for things. Some people in the comments said that you use it. They're like entities that you can give tasks to. And what I know is Navajos are like terrified of Kachina dolls. Hmm. And so it's super bad luck to have them. Hmm. I was thinking like those like 
those uh, Russian dolls that you stack <laughs> inside of <laughs> each other. So apparently, like the Pueblo medicine men would make them, and then they would put hair in the center of them and sew them in. So would they be like voodoo dolls where they could control people, or did like that that hair give life to the Kachina dolls, or like how did that work? Like the history behind them is originally like like I kind of said they were made by the Pueblo Indians, mm-hmm. um, and they're used for different things. So they become invested through ceremony. They can either be um, invested with, like all things, benevolent spirits for good things, but also malicious spirits. And so you can definitely like get on the bad side of these dolls. And so you would give them tasks, the dolls. So some of the tasks would be like one to protect your house, things like that. Um, But some people would give them tasks that are... uh, Like kill my neighbor. Attack people, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so... Um, that's like where they kind of started, at least according to this. Can you make one that becomes a successful musician? (laughs) (laughs) Let's find out. No, but they, they become really commercialized. So when the railroad hit, um, the Kachina dolls became commercialized and people just bought them. So to Western culture, they were like nothing, right? Yeah. But Navajos are like, (laughs) hell no. They're like not about it. It's uh, real quick. I think it's funny how like, because it's not your culture, you're not afraid of it at all. You're not afraid of it at all. It's like almost a joke to you. Uh-huh. Cuz I remember going to the Philippines and hearing all their superstitions and their monsters and and none of them ever creeped me out. I just like laughed at all of them. And they're sitting there like you monster. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the scariest all thing. All these people like it's what terrified them as children and uh I don't know. I'm sure they feel the same about us. Yeah. Well, according to this, the Navajo are not down with the Kachina doll. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, This is another story from the person who submitted the post. This happened to her cousin back in the 90s. Kachina dolls? Yep, back in the 90s. So her cousin recently moved to a new town. She found a trailer to rent at a really nice price. So she rented this trailer And the landlord just warned her, hey, I haven't moved all my stuff out, but I will over time, okay? So, yeah, there, there's that. She's like, totally cool, whatever. Gets there, gets into the trailer, opens it up, looks in, and there's a man, there's like a fireplace and a mantle over the fireplace. And on the mantle is a whole collection of Kachina dolls. (laughs) And so instantly, cousin's like, hell no, super wary of it. Um, knows it's super taboo to own them, um, but she's going to respect the landlord's stuff and just go about her business. So first night in there, she's sleeping. And as she's drifting off to sleep. No way. First night. First night. There's a whole mantle full of these mother (laughs) effers. She's (laughs) drifting off to sleep, and she hears a thud. Nope. So she gets up to investigate, turns on the lights, goes into the living room or the living room space and the Kachina dolls are lying on the floor in front of the mantle. So she picks them up, puts them back on the mantle, goes back to bed. 30 minutes later, she hears a nice, another little thud. Like how close, like this thud is in the room? Well, she's like back in the bedroom. Yeah. And this is like in the living room space. 
in the trailer. It's not a huge trailer, but there's still separate rooms. Yeah. Yeah, but I, like, the, was the thud close to her? Or was it like, I know the trailer's not big, so everything's close. But like... It's loud enough to where she can hear it. See, that was her first mistake, though. You don't acknowledge those. You just let it happen and ignore it. Probably. That's probably the right answer, actually. <laughs> but nonetheless, she puts them back on the manual mantle one more time and goes back to bed. This time, she's weirded out. Uh, I mean, at first, I think she was trying to ignore it just for self-preservation, you know? What I mean, like, this is the time that weirds her out? <laughs> so she's lying in bed. Here's the thud. But this time, after the thud, she hears light little footsteps. Oh, no. <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> little Chucky's running towards your no, freaking dog. room, dude. <laughs> so she jumps up, runs into the living room, turns on the light, and the dolls are now on the other side of the room away from the mantle. Dude, this is just Toy Story. Like horror Toy Story. <laughs> Sid. Sid. <laughs> so she picks them up, puts them in a box, puts something on the box, and puts them in her closet. Nope. Oh, that's, they're closer to you now. And she said all night she could hear little scratches and movements in the box. The next day, she called the landlord and made him come get the box and take them away. Good choice. I would empty them out of that box and line them up and have them run towards me while I run and punt them. Bro, I bet there's like bad juju though. Like you don't know what they're capable of, you know? I would cut a little hole in the box, take one of those little things out, let them run in towards <laughs> me while the rest of them watch and punt it Just and pull then it dismantle yeah. it and be like, this is, I mean business. But what if they got like curses and stuff? I think Sean's idea of ignoring it's the the best idea Honestly, till the yeah. morning. <laughs> yeah. I put my earplugs in, put my... Lock that damn door. Until it stabs you in the neck or something. Ugh. Yeah, can they, like, change form to, like, go under a door or something? Like, is that is that, like, a possibility for these things? Man, I don't know. If you're out there and you know anything about Kachina dolls, hit us up. Please edumacate us. I don't even know what these look like. I'm going to... Yeah, yeah. Look up a photo. Yeah, if those things were on the mantelpiece just like coming yeah. towards you, hell no. So this last one is from the submitter's grandma. From the person who wrote this story's mm-hmm. grandma. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is back in the 70s. 70s were a dark time. <laughs> Dude. They made a show So about many it. reasons. <laughs> so her grandma decides she's going to spend the night at her cousin's house who's on the res. So they go, they're hanging out, they're telling scary stories, trying to spook each other out. Nice. When her cousin says, let's play with the Ouija board. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Gang, gang. So it's like 9 p.m. Take out the Ouija board. On the res. On the res. (laughs) And they're alone. And they're like like 10 and 11. Okay, continue. Sorry. Bro. So they're all alone. (laughs) And they start asking this Ouija board questions and nothing seems to happen. So they go back to telling stories. They have like a snack. They're going to get ready to go to bed. (laughs) They thought this out with the snacks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I was going to ask, what's your favorite snack? But hold on. I got a story to tell. (laughs) Ouija board's like Cool Ranch Doritos. (laughs) Like, damn, bro. (laughs) Thanks, G. (laughs) Uh, anyway, so they're about to go to bed when they decide, let's try one last time. You know, it's, it's later, you know, 
it's past 12 now. So they pull out of the Ouija, they pull out the Ouija board and they start asking you questions until they ask the question, are you here? And the Ouija board slides down to yes. What if it said no, dude? <laughs> that would have been scary, but well, continue. It didn't. It said yes. And they're both convinced that the other one's doing it. Right. But they're a little creeped out. And then they ask, where are you? And the Ouija board spells out the word chimney. And so they look over their shoulder and behind them is the chimney. And earlier that night, someone had built a fire. So it's still warm. And they go over to the chimney and they look up the chimney. And they said about five feet up the wall, inside the chimney, hanging was a Kachina doll. Oh, hell no. And so they see that, put the Ouija board away. Grandma was terrified and to this day has never played with the Ouija board again. That's hilarious, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Them Kachina dolls are... Honestly, are you sure they're Kachina dolls or just like trolls? Like <laughs> the trolls. toys with like the neon color hair. <laughs> or like those, I'm pretty sure it was Kachina. Like garden gnomes, dude. There's a whole conspiracy theory around garden gnomes. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh my gosh. People are bored. <laughs> <laughs> Go down this YouTube rabbit hole one time. I garden will, okay? <laughs> conspiracy theories. But that sounds terrifying. Like... Looking up the chimney, you're completely helpless. You, something <laughs> says it's up the chimney, and you look up the chimney. That's dumb. Oh, I am not looking up no chimney, bro. <laughs> For real. Uh, real quick, today I was doing a lot of studying for a story I thought I was going to share tonight, but I'll share it next time. But I learned an interesting fact that is morbid. Talk to me. So... When the Europeans went down to Aotearoa, one of the most popular things to trade with them, can you guess? Teeth. Close. Fingers. Ears. Scalps. Tongues. Heads. Uh, I was getting all around it. So it got so popular and there was so much head trade, like... Some of the Maoris would capture, they, uh, dude. It, this is sick. They would have like a boat full of um, prisoners of Maoris, and the Europeans would choose which one, which head was the best. Then they'd kill that person, um, like boil the head, leave it out in the sun, and it would like shrivel mummify. Up. Not like mad shrivel, but it would like mummify. You can. Look at photos of them. That's disgusting. But they did this so much that at one point, the cost of a Maori head was two pounds. Two pounds? Yeah, that's it. That's hella messed up, So there's your morbid history fact of the day. That's dirt, dude. I know, dude. Crazy. Um, Like along those lines of like insanely morbid stories of European expansion. (laughs) Not funny at all. I don't know why I'm laughing. Uh, When the Europeans went down to Tasmania 
like south of Australia. Mm-hmm. One of the games that they would play was they would bury the aboriginals up to their oh, necks. Oh, I've seen this. And they would just kick their heads off. So you I wake up, seen that being a get thing. breakfast, and that. then go give a head a couple kicks and then go about your day when you came home, kick it some more until it was nothing. Wow. That's crazy because in their head, they were just thinking that these were animals, which but, didn't make it okay, but it's like they didn't see them as humans. That's how much they didn't see them as humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, aboriginals were technically by law considered livestock until the 70s mm-hmm. when the laws were changed. Jeez. <laughs> Wild. Wow. I tell you, I was listening to Joe Rogan and he had Roseanne Barr on who, if you don't know, Roseanne Barr is like a, a comedian who had a sitcom back in the 90s. I think you talked about this a little bit. Keep going. Though. I, I don't know if I told it on podcast. I think I just told you. Okay. So she has since moved to big the Big Island and she has a farm, but they were just talking about the in, insanely amazing feats of the early Polynesian uh, sailors. And how they were able to navigate, get around, and like go back and forth on these islands. And with all of their advanced techniques, one of those was Joe Rogan's favorite. And it was when there was no stars out, no wind, and there was no visible current, they had to know which way the current was going under the water. So what they do is they get really low to the water and they would dip their ball sack into the water. And the sensitive skin of the balls would be able to tell which way the water was going. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so apparently that's like... Makes too much sense. <laughs> I don't know if that's real, dog. We should look that up. <laughs> I personally have not heard that. <laughs> that's some Howley, like, <laughs> freaking folklore. Howley's making that up. Did um, you know? I do know that they use the current to tell the direction where they should go if they couldn't use the stars or the moon mm. or the wind or anything else or maybe they use it in conjunction with the others but i don't know about like using your <laughs> testes as part of that but i don't know um to test the sea oh what indigenous people are wild <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to go out and say it dog <laughs> one of uh one of the famous Ancient Hawaiian sports was spear catching. <laughs> I played this, <laughs> and <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. And King Kamehameha the Great, who united all eight islands under one kingdom, soon to be portrayed by The Rock, and soon to be portrayed by Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, the <laughs> <laughs> Um He was famous for being one of the best at this game. It said he could catch up to eight spears. He would catch some of them and use the ones that he caught to knock the rest away. Yeah. Bro, that's going to be in the movie. Him. You know that's <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. King Kamehameha was also known to lift the Naha Stone, which I've seen. The Naha Stone is like sitting uh, in Hilo in the Big Island, and it's like this huge slab of rock. Almost, It looks as big as like one of the stones in like Stonehenge. Damn. Maybe bigger, but like the legend was, whoever picked it up would unite all of the islands, and it was him, bro. And that's why the creator of Dragon Ball Z named the Kamehameha Wave after Ooh. him because he was so powerful. Whoa, that's dope. 
Anyway, I have a story. On one of the previous episodes, I spoke about Korean shamanisms. And this woman comes from L.A. And she is full Korean, as is her family. And this is her experience. As a little girl, she remembers having the typical family gatherings. They were somewhat stooped in American traditions. Um, because they remember, or she remembers, certain people being there. And she knew that some of them were her cousins and her aunts and uncles that they only really saw at these family gatherings. And then she noticed that their next family gathering, one of her uncles didn't show up. Hmm. And this uncle ended up not showing to anything for the whole year. And this went on for a few years until one Thanksgiving, everybody was together and the uncle was there. And it was her first time seeing him since she was a child. At this point, she was a teenager. She thought it was strange for him to just not show up at any time and then appear. And then nobody really talked about it. He came over. And she remembered it, I don't know, being kind of surreal because she thought people would make a bigger deal, but nobody did. Almost like no one was just... It was just... Acknowledging it? As if like it just picked up from the last time he was there, you know? Hmm. So she remembers as a teenager asking her mom what happened and why her uncle was gone. And all the mom said was, your uncle stepped on a woman and the woman died. And she took that and sat with it for a long time. Until in her, I want to say mid-20s, so at least 10 or so years later, she thought of that experience again and she decided to investigate. So she opens up her laptop, she goes to Google and she searches her uncle's name and she sees the history of everything that happened. I must study. (laughs) (laughs) So... As she's reading, she finds that her uncle was a deacon at this Presbyterian church. And the reverend at this church was also Korean. And when he was starting out as a reverend or studying to become one, he took some time to learn about Korean shamanism. Now, Korean shamanism, from what I understand, typically only women become shamans. Interesting. Because of their naturally and typically benevolent spirit and nature about them. They're more in tune, maybe? More sensitive. More of a maternal type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny. I For some reason, like as you're saying this, 
I really feel like sometimes women are more specialty instruments and men are like blunt instruments or tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so that, that would make sense to me. I don't know. Really, all I can think about is 21 Jump Street. Don't fuck with Korean Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he we'll, had his own Korean problems and we'll, shit. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, and apparently in uh, like a long time ago, the shamans were really respected and really looked up to in society. Then there was a huge societal change in like the social structure. Basically, men took the forefront. So everything that women did was seen as secondary and shamanism was one of them in fact that was pushed even lower to the status of peasants so this shamanism and this culture and practice went into obscurity because of that but this reverend wanted to learn about it and learned about one of the practices and i think the pronunciation is Gut is G-U-T. Good. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's exorcisms. Ooh. So where the uncle comes into play is when he's working at the church. At some point, the reverend's wife inherits an evil spirit. Mm. And they need to perform a casting out, an exorcism. Or good. And one night, the reverend calls the uncle to come over. The uncle shows up. And they sit his wife in the middle of the room. And at this point, apparently the wife is just incoherent. Can't communicate, at least from her own being and from her own free will. At this point... She's speaking to them in other voices that aren't her own. Hmm. So as they are talking to these demons that are living in his wife, they ask they ask him what you know, what's your purpose? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And the person replies, Gunde. Or Gundai. Gundai. Mm-hmm. And all of them speak Korean. And the direct translation of Gundai is many Ooh. or legion. But <laughs> legion, we are many. Exactly. Well, the context of that. So in the New Testament of the Bible, there's a story where a man is sick and Jesus finds him and asks pretty much the same thing, you know, why are you here? Who are you? And the person replies, Legion, for we are many. And Jesus casts them out and all of the spirits went into a herd of swine and all the swine ran off the cliff and killed themselves. So does that sound right? Is there any more? No. Okay. Uh, If you are a Christian and you believe in the Bible, 
then you full on believe in possession, possession of children, being possessed by a legion. Possession of pigs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it was always weird to me that like you would meet Christian people who like don't or who don't believe in possession. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's definitely strange. They're like, no, that doesn't happen. And it's like, well, if you believe in the Bible, like, like <laughs> apparently Jesus himself, <laughs> yeah. you know, was <laughs> dealing with this on the daily. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, this voice replies, Gundai. 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 You know, was it Legion. Like that deep voice, though, or like, like Gundai? So I, I, it was... That would uh, be scarier. It, it was like a male voice as they... Out of As they put this it. guy's wife. Yep, out of this guy's wife. So one of the in good they don't use they don't use plants or herbs as part of their ritual process to reach some state of being. Mm-hmm. They use instruments. Like musical Ooh. instruments. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Drums, things like that. So the husband is trying all these different things with uh, different instruments and nothing's working. So one of the other practices he wants to try to force the demon out is physically forcing the demon out. Through pain or something? Not necessarily, but they would. uh, Basically what they eventually did was they laid her out. So she was laying down flat on her back. They start at her feet and they would just like gently or like somewhat firmly like push, you know, up starting from the bottom. You know? They were massaging her. Oh, yeah, pretty much to push this demon out. Literally. Literally. And as they're doing this, she's writhing and just <laughs> doing like contorting and it's it's not a pretty sight. And as they're getting closer to her upper body, um, it's getting more intense, almost like it's working. Mm -hmm. And basically the husband says that he wants to force these demons out of her mouth. So they're working their way up to her mouth. And as they're getting closer, the demon says, you're not taking me out of her only over her dead body. So at that point, he starts to get more aggressive and he stands up, takes a step closer to her body and steps on her chest. And almost as like the only thing I can think of is on a trampoline and you're trying to super bounce your friend. (laughs) He presses down with both feet on her chest, and there's a crack of her sternum, and she lets out one final breath. So this woman is reading all of this online about her uncle sick, (laughs) and his boss, who's the reverend of this church. And this woman dies from blunt force trauma. I think she has about 16 fractures in her ribs 
and internal bleeding. And the uncle was charged for Ugh. manslaughter. He, uh, I don't think he was the one who actually stepped on. Well, I don't think he took part in that. It was just the the woman's husband. But that's what he went away for, for a few years, and then he came back. And came, showed up at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Hi, uncle. And You've been stepping on anyone recently. <laughs> And that's why the family was the way they were. It wasn't some big deal. <laughs> they, they just tried knew. to treat it normally. They all knew, and she was a kid. Nobody was going to tell her, you know. Yeah. And here she is as an adult reading this online. And you can search it, too. Oh, but Real quick, they're like at Thanksgiving dinner, and someone's like, oh, I'm full. And the uncle's like. I have a solution for that. So hopefully no one's choking on anything because straight to the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> straight to the standing on the chest maneuver. Yeah. yeah. and uh, Straight up, I thought that that was going to go to a curb stomp instead of on the chest. The woman who unfortunately passed away, her name is Kyung Jai Chung. I could probably be butchering the pronunciation, but it's K-Y-U-N-G-J-A-E-C-H-U-N-G. And I think she was in her 50s at the time when all of that happened. Husband was the same age, and they had, I think, two kids. Oh, gosh. That's heavy. That is heavy. So I was thinking back to family functions and thinking about extended family people that I knew who were notably different. (laughs) And I think they're all good. (laughs) But stay alert. What'd you guys learn from this episode? Dude, there was, we were all over the place this episode, to be honest. A, don't fuck with Korean Jesus. (laughs) B, we're not playing with any of those Kachina dolls, not having them anywhere near my house. And then C, after I see the shadow the first time, I'm saging the house. Yep. So that's what I'm taking with me today. Yeah, definitely don't double bounce your wife's chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the phrase, uh, get to step in, is taken quite literally <laughs> in uh, some cultures, I guess. <laughs> Stomp the yard. Okay. Uh, (laughs) My wife is the yard. (laughs) I am the stomp. (laughs) Uh, Shout out the internet for my story. It was by a user of the name Osteo Rock. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Did I tell any more stories? Shout out Seth. He was the one who told me the break-in story. Happened to his friend in high school. Dang. I think that's it for me. Shout out my coworker and friends back east. Do you have any shout outs, bro? Nah. Dude. I ain't shouting out nobody. <laughs> Next episode, I got a story from my friend in New Zealand who works in a mental hospital. Fuck. He wrote me with another one. He said, since, same one, mm-hmm. same friend, different since, story. Since I sent this in, he's like, I'm starting to remember all these things. Dang, dude. So he sent us another one, and this one is intense. 
Sick. I'm excited, bro. <laughs> Oh, damn. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. <clears throat> super, super grateful for you. Wait, do we have any light stories or no? I have one light story. Cool. It actually came in some of my research of, like, some stories back uh, east, and this happened in a town in the Ozark Mountains. The town was called... Well, it was in Douglas County in the Ozarks in around 1940. Hmm. There kind of started this urban legend of the Angel of Ava. The Angel of Ava ultimately was probably just a person, but what they would do throughout this county is they would just go and leave like $100 bills in people's mailboxes. And then in the 1940s, that's like 2000 bucks. And so this legend or folklore just grew there in the, in the, uh, in the county, and everyone was just like had this kind of pay it forward type mentality where they helped people out and they were helped out in return. That's sick, bro. You know, I was like, well, that's kind of cool. I wish someone would put a hundred dollars and even like twenty dollars in my mailbox. Yeah, hit nice us right up, now. Angel of Ava. <laughs> hit us up anytime you want. That's cool. There can be nice hauntings out there. True. Yeah, Angel of Ava. Um, my Venmo handle is <laughs> at D-E-E-J-A-Y-P-A-S-I-K-A-L-A, DJ Pasikala. So There we go. Thanks. Just shout out. <laughs> hey, shout out also, Angel Ava. Shout out Angel Ava. Also, to all of our listeners. Shout if, you out, listeners. Shout out, for <laughs> real. And if you would like to support us, like we don't, we don't really go out on this ledge very much, but like if you'd like to support us, Definitely like and comment on our podcast. Give on, me money. <laughs> on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and Instagram. Also, like, yeah. All our posts, if you could like and comment. like 100%. And also, also, what was it? Downloading our episodes. Downloading our episodes also matters. So, yeah. No, we love all of the support that you guys are giving us, but... Rate and review. All of that. Yeah, at the very most, do everything Sean just said. But at the very least, like, just, I don't know, send us a message. If you do listen to this podcast and you like it, dude, those go so far. Every time we get one of those, we all share them and talk about them, and it just, like, boosts our morale. Because sometimes (laughs) a lot of work goes into this with research and editing. Editing takes, like, 10 hours a week (laughs) (laughs) on top of our already jobs. content, too, like, putting together all the content and Mm -hmm. gathering that. Like, it's... (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and yeah, in no way are we trying to guilt trip anybody. Hell like no. we we have fun doing this. <laughs> True. Um, we just want other people to have fun on the receiving end. So yeah, um, if that's the case, help us to do this a little bit more. So let us know your feedback or send us a story. We'd love to hear them. Yep. Send that to three a.m. podcast stories at gmail dot com or just hit us up in our DMs on three a.m. pod on Insta. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Uh, Trust your gut. Watch your back. And remember, don't play with Ouija boards. Don't have Kachina dolls. Don't get possessed and be Korean in L.A. (laughs) Don't go camping in the Appalachian Mountains. And that's it. Bye-bye.
On the morning of August 1, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. 